Well, hi there, and welcome. It's Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. And as we always say, and you, but around this time of year, we're taking a little bit of an extra day or two off every now and then. Hope you're enjoying the beautiful holidays. And we have a pre-recorded but original program for you today, never aired before. We try and give you original content when we're not going to be here live on the show. So I am Jerry Usher, along with Debbie Giorgiani, and we just invite you to sit back and take in the broadcast today, Debbie, especially because if, if, if anyone listening has family in the military, if they are in the military, practice, practice their Catholic faith in the military, this is the show for them. Oh, I totally agree, Jerry, and I'm so looking forward to this discussion we're about to have with our amazing guest. I love when our shepherds, our leaders of the church, they are there for us as as guests to uh, take two, and I love when they listen to take two as well, and he, um, I know, is likes take two, and our listeners of, of the take two family, uh, they love him as well, so I say, Jerry, you jump right into the introduction, and we go right into the conversation, because he's one of my favorites, I'm just yeah. going to say. Well, Bishop Joseph Coffey has been on the program before. I may have mentioned at that time that I'm still getting used to calling him Your Excellency, even though he's been a bishop for several years now. But the reason for that is we were seminary classmates in second year of theology at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, which is Father Bishop Joseph's uh, ordaining diocese. He has been uh, chaplain and and auxiliary bishop in the Archdiocese for the military services for a number of years. And that is what we're going to talk about today, faith in the military, Bishop Coffey. Welcome back to the program. Jerry and Debbie, thank you very, very much. It's such an honor to be actually on your show. Uh, I really do love listening to it. As I told you before, on my my travels around the country visiting our veterans' hospitals, I listen to EWTN all the time, and I, I really enjoy your show. And every once in a while, I call in just to say hello. So this is yeah. a great honor to actually be a guest. You do, Bishop, and we so love that when it's such a special gift for our Take Two family. So thank you for that. So, Bishop, let's, if we can, let's jump right into um, maybe for our new listeners, because we have so many that jump on the Take Two family train, if you will, and wanting to be part of it and see what's going on around actually the world and with our church. Explain to our listeners how, um, you know, kind of rewind on how you um, maybe the call to the priesthood, and then how did you end up as a bishop for the military services? What exactly does that mean? What does it entail? What do we need to know about that? Okay, great. I I probably should work backwards, uh, because right now I'm an auxiliary bishop for the military archdiocese, and when I tell people that, they don't always know what that means. What that means is everybody who's Catholic in our military, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Space Force, Merchant Marine, while they're in the military, they belong to the military archdiocese. And because, as you know, it's the largest archdiocese in the world because we have military bases all over the world. So we have Archbishop Timothy Brolio is our military archbishop, and his headquarters is in Washington, D.C., near Catholic University. And he's also the president of the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So he's got really two very large jobs. But he has four auxiliary bishops who help him. So Bishop Spencer covers all the military bases east of the Mississippi River. Bishop Bucking covers the bases west of the Mississippi River. Bishop Phil Mom lives in Germany. He covers all of our U.S. military bases in Europe and Asia. So he's covering 10 time zones. And I have all the veterans' hospitals in the U.S. So we have over 150 veterans' hospitals in the United wow. States. 
interesting. So I'm the vicar for Veterans Affairs, so I get to go around the country visiting our veterans and all the priest chaplains who work there because they're all endorsed by Archbishop Rolio and the military archdiocese. So I've been doing this job for four years now already. It was hard to believe. And before that, I was on active duty as a Navy chaplain for almost 20 years. And before that, I was in the reserve as a Navy chaplain reservist. Uh, starting, Jerry, when I was in seminary with you. I became yeah. a chaplain candidate while still a seminarian. So uh, I spent a total of 28 years in the Navy. So I love our military. I love all of our veterans. I love serving the veterans, and I love serving all the priest chaplains who work in our veterans' hospitals. So that's how I got started, and that's what I do now. Can you um, just give us a little bit of uh, background? You know, when we, like you said, in, in St. Charles Borromeo, we were classmates and you applied for the chaplaincy at that time. What was the major motivating influence for you to want to go in that direction? Well, I grew up in a kind of a military family. My doctor, and he was a Navy doctor, in the, mostly in the reserves. And I remember as a little kid, he'd go down to the, the Navy Yard in Philadelphia, and he'd have his uh, stethoscope and white lab coat, and he, w- he would go as a doctor. So I always knew he was in the Navy. And then my little brother Jim had gone to Villanova, and he was an ROTC. So Jim, even though he's seven years younger than I am, was in the Navy before I was. So he was a full lieutenant when I became an ensign. So I had, of course, to loot him every morning, mm-hmm. and happily so. But anyway, uh, Jim told me that there was a great need for priests in the Navy, and I heard that, I heard there was a shortage of priests in the Navy. So I asked Archbishop Bevilacqua if I could apply for the Navy Chaplain Candidate Program, and he said, yes, I know about that program, and I'll let you apply for that, but I won't give you any guarantees that I'll let you go on active duty. And the way that works is your local bishop has to give you permission to go because they have to endorse you, sponsor you. So I said, okay. So I went off to San Diego that one summer, and I loved it as a chaplain candidate. I wore a, I wore a uniform. I was actually in the Navy. I got a direct commission as an ensign, and then I just stayed in the program for the next nine years. And then after five years after ordination, I loved being a parish priest in Philadelphia. I was at St. Catherine of Siena in Northeast Philadelphia with my great friend, Monsignor McJim McBride, who just turned 93, and he's living at the villa, but he's in great health, and I'm going to tell him to tune into the show so he can listen as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and then uh, Cardinal Bevilacqua, uh, I, I wrote to him after the five years of being in the parish, and I said, Cardinal, I, I love being a parish priest, but I think I'd also like to be a Navy chaplain on active duty, but I need your permission, so I'm asking for permission. So I didn't hear a thing for three months. And then I remember I just knelt down in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I said, Lord, I love being a parish priest, but I think I'd also like to be a Navy chaplain on active duty, but I need I need the okay from the Archbishop. So the next day, I got the letter giving oh, wow. me permission to go off to uh, the military. And then I stayed active duty for the next almost 20 years. Wow. Beautiful, uh, the way the Lord has led you in your life vocationally. Bishop Joseph Coffey with us here. It's a tape program, Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Not taking live calls today, but a whole lot more we're going to talk about with His Excellency when we come back. I'm Jerry Usher with Debbie Giorgiani. Our producer is Ace McKay. Stay with us, please. We're 
so glad you tuned in to Take Two today. This is a uh, pre-recorded broadcast, a very special broadcast. So no phone calls today. We will ask the questions on your behalf of our wonderful guest, Bishop Joseph Coffey. Um, but before we get back to this great conversation we're having with him, let me just share with our listeners, Jerry, about EWTN Pro-Life Weekly in our email inbox. And what I mean by that is uh, Prudence Robertson keeps you informed and educated with the latest news and truth on abortion, euthanasia, assisted suicide, and the culture of death on EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. And that's all available on um, our emails that can come in um, on a regular basis, which really does keep us informed on what's happening, Jerry. So I love I love the features and the resources from EWTN. Indeed, yeah. And as Debbie said, we're talking with Bishop Joseph Coffey, who is a, a auxiliary bishop in the military archdiocese for the military services visits all of the veterans hospitals around the country that might be a good place to uh, to resume your excellency is um you know we hear so many things about veterans hospitals you know the good the bad and the ugly and you get to go you get to go out around the country you, you see them in person talk about how our veterans are receiving care and, and how great the need is it must always be pretty uh, a really significant need i would think uh, yes, our veterans' hospitals go back to the time of President Lincoln, who who said that our nation's um, men who have borne the, the burden of battle, we need to take care of them and their families. So that's when the veterans' hospitals began in our country. And so um, I do get to go to all over the country, over the, over 150 of the VA hospitals. And what one amazing thing is that they're all very, very different. Uh, they have different um, customs and, you know, different things that they do. But the main thing is to take care of our veterans. So mm-hmm. I get to work with our priest chaplains, and they take me around, and we visit with the veterans. And, and they're very, very receptive and responsive to having the priest uh, visit them. So the Catholic priest can, is able to provide the sacraments for them. You know, they say Mass, they have a chapel, and they can hear their confessions and give them anointing of the sick, and also just basic counseling. Uh, a lot of our veterans, as we, as we all know, are really struggling with uh, all kinds of uh, injuries from the war. Some of them have PTSD. Some of them have some problems with some alcohol and drugs. So there's a great need for the VA hospitals, and our and our, our priest chaplains are very, very dedicated to taking care of them, their spiritual needs primarily. So it's just a great honor. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so honored to be able to do what I do for the military archdiocese and all of our veterans. Mm. Wow. Bishop, I come from a military family, so this is very close um, to home for me. And um, I wanted to to ask you this question. Do I've always I've, I've asked my brothers this and some family members the, the, these questions about the military and the way they the way they see the world now after after having served the country. Are they do they feel like we abandoned them? I mean, how do they feel? Because I've always felt like sometimes, you know, we we need them, we want them when we're in fear, when we're we want to protect our freedoms. And then once, you know, that's over with, it's like, oh, who cares about the military? That's sometimes I see that. Like you can see that even when you watch news coverage, it really, it really bothers me greatly. Do they ever express that, that they just feel forgotten? Well, I think perhaps sometimes, although it's really gotten better than it used to be. For example, uh, when I would walk through an airport wearing my uniform, 
almost always people would say to me, thank you for your service. And that's something our brothers and sisters in the Vietnam era did not get. In fact, they got the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, many of those folks were drafted. They went because they were told they had to go, and they got treated very poorly when they came home, by, by, not by everybody, but certainly by some. And I think our country in general is much more receptive now and appreciative of our military. So nowadays I see young soldiers walking through airports in uniform, and I see people going up to them saying, thank you for your service. So I'm glad that it has gotten better. But that's something we can all remember to do. Like if we're at a Fourth of July parade or Memorial Day parade, you'll always see veterans wearing their baseball caps with their, you know, logo and where they serve. So just don't be afraid to go up and say to them, "Hey, thanks for your service," and yeah. they they will smile and they'll say thank you. They'll they'll really be appreciative of that because they like to be remembered and they like to be thanked for their service. So Debbie, thank you very much for asking that question. That that gives me a chance to ask everybody to. You know, to make sure they thank their veterans and definitely pray for them as well. Yeah. Well, and you're right, uh, Bishop Coffey. I, I I do the same thing. I, I love to go out of my way, obviously for 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 service uh, veterans. You know, to thank them for their service, um, as well as clergy and religious whenever I see them too. But regarding the mm. the, the veterans, right. um, I actually I feel little in their presence. You know, um, I was mm. I grew up at a time when you know I I had to register for the draft, but there was no draft. I had a brother and a brother-in-law right. who were who were career uh, Navy and Marine respect. And I never served, you know, and, and that's just mm-hmm. God's providence, of course. But right, I still, sure. when I see, yeah, you know, when I see these men and women, you know, I just, I feel little in their presence, and I just really want to make sure that they know how appreciated they are. So I, I'm so glad that you you said what you just said. Oh, thank you, and and for all the veterans who are now listening right now, uh, I salute you as your vicar for Veterans Affairs. I thank you for your service, and I can say that. Archbishop Brolio and the whole military archdiocese is very, very proud of your service and very grateful for all these sacrifices for our freedom, because we, we wouldn't be free without our military. Mm-hmm. And the great saint, John Paul II, he grew up in Poland under Nazi occupation. And after the war ended, he said very publicly that the United States and the West saved the world from Nazi tyranny and he said that military service was an honorable profession. So I always tell our veterans that. And I tell the guys and guys and girls in boot camp that what they're doing is very honorable. Yeah, Your Excellency, um, I have had the great honor, really, of knowing a lot of military chaplains over the years, because like I said, I had a brother who was career Navy and a brother-in-law career Marine, so I I was able to visit them. My sister worked as a civilian in the Navy as well for many years, uh, so I was able to visit a lot of bases, and, you know, just the work that they do, just, let's start generally, and then maybe we can drill down a little bit, just the the need, the overall need for for faith-based services uh, from our chaplains, Catholic chaplains, non-Catholic, there are, you know, non-Christian chaplains as well, I'm sure. Talk about, you know, just how, how the need is really there. And sometimes, you know, we, we who aren't in that environment, you know, we sometimes really don't realize and appreciate just how much our service personnel need faith services as well. Right. There, there really and truly is a great need. When I joined the Navy as a chaplain candidate in 1992, we had over 200 Catholic priests in the United States Navy Chaplain Corps. We're now down to about 50. Mm. That's worldwide, and that's not nearly enough. So we now have aircraft carriers going out without a priest. 
So that's really a problem. So we need to pray that uh, the bishops would be generous, and many, many of them are, because the bishops need to let guys go, you know, anywhere from 3 to 6 to 10 to 20 years. It's always up to the local bishop. Um, so hopefully uh, more and more priests will want to serve, but it, it's really not for everybody because uh, it, it's rigorous. Um, sometimes when you're with the Marines out on the uh, on patrol and you're, uh, you know, you're sleeping in the mud and, the, and it's, it's cold or it's hot or it's not, you know, little food, uh, it's, it's really, you got to be tough sometimes. So it's not for everybody, but uh, it's very, very rewarding. Um, so I really um, just encourage people to maybe ask their own priest if they've ever thought about it. Then the priest might say, no, I never thought about it, but I could think about it. And they could ask their bishop, because sometimes the bishops will say to me, well, I'm willing to let a guy go, but no one's asked. So the priest has to ask permission, and the bishop has to be generous in letting the guys go. So that's how that works. Hmm. Interesting. That's fascinating the way it works. I, I never realized that. Um, that's why we have you on the show, so you can educate all of us. So, Bishop Coffey, let me ask you this question. When you said you, you visit all around um, the country to the VA hospitals, do you get a lot of non-Catholic military folks? Do they ask you a lot of questions about the Catholic Church, and do, do you find that they're interested in our sacraments? I mean, are, what what is the, you know, is there are there folks converting to Catholicism through the military? Is there an interest? Is there what kind of programs are in place? I'm just curious. That's the religious education side of me, Bishop. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, that probably happens a lot more to the priest chaplains who work every day at the hospital, and, and they all wear clerics. So everybody in the hospital knows that they're a priest and that they're the chaplain. And you know, even some of our Protestant brothers and sisters and clergy, they, they'll wear a collar, too, and, and people say, hello, Father, because that's what mm-hmm. they, people think, that they're a father, a Catholic father. But usually when people see me, they see my collar, I'm, I'm a cleric. Oftentimes they'll just say, hey, Reverend, or hey, Padre, or hey, Chaps, or hey, Father. You know, they recognize that I'm some kind of religious figure, even if they're not Catholic. And and they certainly, uh, if they're Catholic, they'll oftentimes just say Father. But um, I don't correct them. But I'm just happy that they recognize the collar. So, um, but I, I think the priest chaplains uh, would often get get asked by different service mem- members about you know becoming Catholic, and then they could certainly uh, give them classes and they could go through the RCIA program just like anybody else. But um, primarily, we're there to provide sacraments for the Catholics, but also to facilitate for others, so people of other faith groups who make sure that they have uh, a, 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 a clergy person that they could go to, or we we care for all. So even if someone is not religious, even if they're an atheist, we could still help them and be available to them so they could talk to us, to give them encouragement, and uh, so we care for all. That's part of the chaplain creed. Bishop Joseph Coffey is with us on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie here on EWTN Radio. Again, not taking your live calls today, but when we have uh, pre-recorded shows on holidays, holy days, days like that, we like to provide you with original content. And so we hope you're uh, appreciating and enjoying this conversation that we are having about faith in the Archdiocese for the Military Services. And uh, Your Excellency, um, 
Talk about the uh, just the I guess the attitude toward faith as the way I'm thinking of putting that that the uh, the Catholic men and women have who come into the military and uh, as they realize you know the potential dangers and risks that are ahead that are ahead for them uh, that they may one day go out and not come back home is there a kind of a heightened sense of wanting to make sure their spiritual religious life is in place do you see a kind of a hunger for that or they kind of turn to that at those times. Oh, definitely. When I was on active duty, I would visit the, uh, I had three tours on aircraft carriers, and I was the only priest, not only for the carrier, but for the supporting ships as well. So Mm -hmm. there would be an aircraft carrier going out on deployment with about five or six port ships. They'd be cruisers and destroyers. And there's only one priest for the whole strike group or the whole battle group. So we would fly by helicopter from the carrier to small boys, and then we'd say mass on the smaller ships because they don't have their full-time chaplain. So when I would fly around the Persian Gulf or the Pacific Ocean to either the George Washington or the Ronald Reagan where I was uh, the chaplain, there was uh, people were very, very happy to see me because they knew that I brought mass. I could, bring, I could say mass for them, hear their confession, talk to them, hear their, you know. And then when I was in Afghanistan for seven months with the Marines, I had my mass kit with me. So I would go uh, in the uh, the MRAP through the large armor personnel carrier, and uh, I would go to the small camps called the FOB, forward operating bases. And sometimes they would say to me, oh, Father, we haven't had a priest in a month or two months, so we're so happy you're here. And I would just set up my mask wherever I was. I'd have a couple of boxes together, and that's mass. So hmm. I love to tell people that I've been able to say mass to some of the most beautiful cathedrals of the world, and in the barren wasteland of Afghanistan on a couple of boxes, but it's the same mass, it's the same unbloody sacrifice of Calvary where I'm able to offer the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus to the to our, our military members out in the field. So that's why it's such a great honor to be a chaplain. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely a hunger for people. When people see the chaplain, they know that we represent God, and we can bring heaven and earth together at that mass. So... Uh, it's the greatest position in the world. The, the CEO of the carrier used to say that he had the best job in the Navy. I said, I'm sorry, sir. hate to correct you, but I had the best job. <laughs> <laughs> and he, oh. he, couldn't, he couldn't argue with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, that is amazing. When you were speaking, Bishop, I could I could just feel the Holy Spirit. That that's incredible. Oh, and in just about uh, uh, two minutes, we're going to be hitting the pause button, Bishop. But before that, maybe you can, um, you know, I'll ask this question. Then you know, if you can't finish it um, completely, we can pick it up on the other side of the break. But um, I, I'm I'm curious about this just because Jerry and I have have been asked so many times to organize or to participate in pilgrimages around the country and uh, around the world. And you, you know, you, you've seen, you pretty much have seen it all, right. Uh, you know, internationally and then here in the United States, any, any hidden uh, gems um, that you can maybe share like some certain cathedrals or shrines or areas of, of the country or the world that we should definitely put on our pilgrim pilgrimage list. Uh, I'm going to have to think about that and get back. Cause I've often gotten asked that question and I've been able to say that some amazing places one of the most extraordinary places was on Mount Suribachi on the island of Iwo Jima. So many of the people will, will recognize that that's where they had the famous flag raising mm-hmm. of, of World War II. And it's a very famous photograph by Joe Rosenthal. It became a, you know, it's a statue and monuments everywhere to that famous picture. Well, I got to stay mass on the top of that mountain. And that 
is was very special because that island is very sacred to the Japanese and to Americans. That you're not allowed to go there. You have to have a reason to go there. Like tourists couldn't go there, so you wouldn't be able to say mass hair mass there. But that was very special. I was able to say mass there, and then I remember I was able to say mass at the Vatican with my with my ship members because we took the train from um, from um, one of the ports there in Italy. Hmm. Well, hold that thought just for a second. Your Excellency Bishop Joseph Coffee with us here. Great conversation about faith in the Archdiocese for the Military Services. It's a pre-recorded broadcast, but we are so glad you're with us today. All right. We are back here on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Sorry, uh, Bishop Joseph Coffey with us here. He was uh, just being asked by Debbie about any places that he recommends that we uh, that we visit possibly on our impromptu, unofficial pilgrimages around the country or even around the world. And your Excellency, I know I kind of jumped in there. I don't know if you had any other places that have been, you know, really especially poignant to you that you've been able to visit and celebrate the sacraments. Well, uh, you know, some of the most popular ones, Lourdes is very, very special. Uh, just to go in the water and see where where the Blessed Mother appeared to uh, St. Saint, Saint Bernadette there at the grotto, and Fatima is very special, and uh, Guadalupe, uh, Juan Diego, that's a very, very special pilgrimage. Um, and even in our own country, just to go around our own country and uh, some of the many, many beautiful cathedrals in so many of our cities. Whenever I go to a new city, I always try and go to the cathedral because that's such a beautiful church, you know, always. And I, I just see the cathedral there, and I say, well, that's the bishop, that's his chair. And I just think that uh, the more we get to travel and see many, many churches all over the world and, and, and you know, going to Mass in Japanese, I didn't understand a word of it, but I knew exactly what was happening. So that's the beauty of the Mass. You know, we know what's happening, even though it's in other languages, many, many different languages around the world. So I just encourage people that are listening to, you know, if, if you see pilgrimages advertised, I mean, the Holy Land, I mean, being in the very footsteps of Jesus, I mean, I got to go to the Holy Land in the year 2000, and my mother was, she's not with us any longer, but she had a few health problems back then, and I, I asked her to go, to go on the pilgrimage. And uh, she said, oh, Joe, I don't know if I can go. It's, you know, I'm not sure if I'm off to it. And she said, oh, you know, my, you know, my, you know, I don't know if I can do it. And I said, Mother, we're going to walk in the very footsteps of Jesus. And she said to me, yes, and Jesus is the feet of a 30-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so I did talk her into going, and she loved it, especially mm-hmm. when we were at the Dead Sea, and I got covered in mud and ran up to try to hug her. <laughs> yeah. So sweet. You have a be- you have a beautiful family, Bishop. Beautiful family. Um, so we can we switch gears for just a minute because you you got me thinking and and um of something else that came up one time. Remember this, Jerry. You'll remember this. We had a take two um a family member email us, and it, it got me thinking about when you said other languages and other faiths that you encounter and all sorts of things that, that you um, you come up to and, and, and get to know based on the work that you do um, in the military services. Okay, so having said that, let me, um, question, this came up um, this past year about this, this idea of when people are getting ready to transition, to die, to, to meet the Lord, if they are not fully in the church or 
they are not they are not in the church at all. They're just curious about the sacraments. Is there some kind of um, stipulation or some kind of, um, I guess, uh, you know, ability that if somebody's on the verge of death, if they desire or they request a sacrament, you are able to to uh, perform that or do that or or express it and encounter that person based on the fact that they they are going to definitely leave this earth. I I'm I'm saying it in an emergency, not not necessarily emergency situation, but a plan like a, the person is going to die. Can they do that? Can they receive confession? We we get this question all the time. So I'm kind of dancing around it because I know there's different uh, nuances to this, to, to the scenario of this. But Bishop, can you, is there certain, and is it different for the military and then for the regular, you know, lay faithful? No, it would be the same. Um, if, if someone is not Catholic, if they've never been baptized, and they're about to die, and they want to be baptized, then anyone, not just a priest, but any, any, any baptized person, any adult, can baptize them. And you simply use water, so you have to find some water somewhere, and you simply use the Trinitarian formula. You say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That person is then baptized. That would be a valid sacrament in danger of death. Now, the normal way is the person goes through instruction, and the priest would give them, you know, RCIA and instructions, maybe private instructions even. And if someone was elderly and sick, that could certainly be speeded up. You wouldn't have to go through the full program by any means, just some simple instructions, and then the priest could just go ahead and do it. But in danger of death, anyone can baptize anyone who's not been baptized. So those who maybe never knew that, now you know. So keep that in the back of your mind. And if you have a family member, a grandfather, a father, a mother, who has resisted all those years and they're about to die, go ahead and ask them, what do you have to lose? Say, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, hey, Grandpa, would you want to be baptized? And they might just say yes. So in that case, you would go ahead and baptize them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Now, now, what about the other sacraments, though? Like, what if what if you have a, a Christian who's about ready? Like, let's say they're in the VA hospital and they they say, "Can somebody just get me a priest? I want to confess my sins." Can they go to confession? Uh, no, no. If they're not if they're not a Catholic, then no, they wouldn't be able to go to confession. Okay. But you could maybe baptize them, <laughs> and then they could go. And then they can go. But okay. A, a, priest, a priest could certainly baptize them right then and there and then mm-hmm. hear their confession. Definitely. Okay. And what about but, the what yeah, about normally, the Eucharist? What about the Eucharist? Uh, um, well, that's interest that's an interesting question. The way I was taught to be in seminary in canon law canon law was one of my favorite subjects for some reason. <laughs> I never would want to go to regular law school, but uh, nothing against lawyers. We all be good lawyers. But I always liked canon law because you get these really interesting cases. And in, what canon law says is that if, if a non-Christian, I mean a non-Catholic, does not have access to his um, faith service for, for whatever reason, if he's like on a, on a cruise ship, for example, and there's only one Catholic Mass and no other services available, and if he or she has the same belief we do, that it's, it's actually the body and blood of Christ, not just a symbol or a remembrance of, of Christ or the Last Supper, but it's 
about it, but they can go to communion. And not a lot of people know that, but that's like one of those little things in canon law that it's definitely the exception, not the rule. And the rule is we don't have open communion because communion means union with. And sadly, we're not in union with each other, all our Christian brothers and sisters, Protestant brothers and sisters. I pray for that every day, actually, for the unity of all Christians. But so normally, the rule is that when someone, a non-Catholic, goes to a Catholic Mass, they should refrain and not receive the Holy Communion. But in those special circumstances, if they do not have access to their own Church, then they could receive, but that would be a, a special situation, not a regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Your Excellency, but after we, you and I uh, had our, our year together at St. Charles Borromeo in Second Theology, then I did a uh, pastoral year in the Archdiocese of Portland, and right after that, I served a summer of uh, CPE, clinical pastoral education, and due to the uh, emergency situation and the unavailability of the Catholic chaplain, I did baptize a young 21-year-old man on the, the day that he uh, passed away. It was it was beautiful. I, I believe I've got a saint there in heaven, so I love I, I love. How the church, you know, has provisions for just about any particular uh, scenario. But what I would like to uh, ask you about now is, um, as as a auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, I'm sure you're not only uh, you know there to provide spiritual care to the men and women, but do you are you on the lookout for you know young men perhaps who might uh, show an ex- a, a special an especially um, how do I want to say this you know de- devotion to the faith, maybe a, a great spiritual life, great prayer life. And maybe uh, they would want to be perhaps serving in the, the chaplaincy at some point. Definitely, Archbishop Relio says it all the time that many, many, many uh, vocations come from a military background of some sort. Maybe someone's father was in the military, or they served themselves in the military. We have a lot of the uh, co-sponsored seminarians right now, almost fifty, and these guys are studying in various seminaries around the country. And they're they're called co-sponsors. So a local diocese pays for half their sem- seminary instruction, and the military diocese pays for the other half. After they're ordained to the priesthood, they would serve maybe two to three to five years in the parish in the diocese. Then they'd go on active duty as a chaplain, either the Navy, the Army, or the Air Force Chapel Corps for up to twenty years, and then they go back to their home diocese. So that's a real win-win for for everybody. And I understand that certain uh, radio hosts might be going back to the seminary. <laughs> I, I heard that. Is that actually true? Yeah, well, yeah, at the airing of this program, I am on a uh, pastoral year assignment in the Diocese of Orlando, Florida. You're absolutely right, Your Excellency, and uh, you, wow. you were a help with that. Yeah, you were a help with that with a recommendation letter, so thank you for that. Wow, Jerry, <laughs> I am so happy for you. Thank you. Congratulate, Boy, you made the Hound of Heaven work hard. <laughs> you you have more energy than most. No, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Famous poem, The Hound of Heaven. Yeah, I did not expect my time out of formation to be as long as it was, but uh, God did bring it back to my heart, as, as I've shared with the Take-Two family, and they're kind of journeying with me on this during this year that I'm yeah. in Paris. So, yeah, it was... Came, kind of came back as a little bit of a surprise, but, you know, God opened the door, and I have stepped through it, and if God's grace is sufficient and I persevere, then maybe we'll be on the altar together someday. Well, I cannot wait for that, but I want to say, in all seriousness, that you and Debbie are using your gifts that God has given you 
first of all, magnificent radio voices, both of you, but then your love for the faith, your desire to share that faith, and spread it all over the world, people who are listening to the show. And uh, it's just an encouragement that you're using those gifts to share the faith with this radio program. Mm. And I know we all have different vocations, some to marry, some to religious life. But, Jerry, uh, we were in a seminary together, and uh, I know you very, very well. We played a lot of basketball together back then. And I have followed your career through the radio for all these years. And when you told me that you were going, you were thinking God might be calling you back to seminary, I was overjoyed <laughs> and wrote you a magnificent letter of recommendation. I meant every word of it. So I cannot wait to go to your ordination, and maybe you can be a military chaplain, too. We'll have to give you an mm-hmm. age waiver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost needed an age waiver just to get back in. So, <laughs> Well, that's right. We give lots of waivers. Yeah, for all kinds of things. Bishop, well, thank how does you, it, Your Excellency. Yeah, you, yeah, your support has been tremendous. Thank you. Go yeah. ahead, Deb. So, Bishop, how does it work at an ordination? I mean, I just, I just figure we're going to have to have some kind of media crew or something there because there's not going to be enough seats in the uh, in the church or or whatever. I, I say I should get like sort of a front row or second row or something like that. <laughs> Gary, you better give her a front row. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. right. I'm going to be on the altar, because <laughs> whatever bishop is ordaining you, I'm going to be right next to him, believe me. Yeah, so there's going to be millions of people all over the world, take you family, tuned in, watching that ordination. Oh, it's true, yeah. No pressure, Jerry. Jerry, but study yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Blessed be God, I tell you. Oh, that is amazing. Well, and, so Just and, pray to St. John Vianney, he helped me get through seminary. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely yeah, do yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. I was so, the sharpest knife in the drawer. Uh, oh, come on. I'm sure you, <laughs> were, you were an excellent student. Go ahead, Too Deb. funny. Well, B- Bishop, you know, speaking of that, I mean, Jerry is not, I mean, he's not 30 years old, you know. He's a little bit up there um, in age. Speak about that, about the need, you know, for people to really answer you know, God's, you know, the calling that comes from God, it can, it can come, you know, when they're in junior high, all the way up till they're in their sixties. I mean, we need people to serve the church. We need people to be leaders in the church. We need people to, to volunteer in the church. Is there anything you could leave with our audience? Because I, I'm a, just a firm believer, Bishop, as you know, cause you do listen to the show that folks need to, um, get in the game, you know, um, not be a spectator, not be, and not observe, just jump in and, and dive deep. Right, right. I, I honestly believe that God does have a calling for each and every one of us, and everybody wants to be happy. That's just a universal desire, and I'm convinced that if we do what God wants us to do, we're going to be the happiest. But God's not going to make us do anything. He gives us free will, free choice. So I hate to say this, but some people probably get married who really shouldn't. And some people become priests who probably shouldn't. Maybe they're doing it for the wrong reason. But I, I, I just ask everybody to continue to pray and ask, ask God to reveal what His plan is for you. What is your calling? That's the word vocation from Latin, vocare, to call. So there's a lot of people who really are struggling with that. They really want to know where God is calling them, because they want to be happy, and if they do what God wants them to do, that's going to make them the happiest, whether that's to get married and have some kids, or to serve as a brother or a priest or a religious sister. So 
So if you don't know your vocation, keep praying for that. And yeah, then you have to have the courage to say yes. That's yeah. the hard part sometimes. It can be. And I'm glad that you said what you just said, because um, uh, all the uh, intervening years between my uh, seminary formation in the 90s and, and now returning this year. Um, as you know, Your Excellency and Debbie has been a huge part of, you know, my vocation boom ministry, and I've sort of kept myself uh, that umbilical cord connected to the idea of the priesthood all of these years. But one thing I used to say all the time, Bishop Coffey, is I would, I would say, young men, young women, you are morally obliged to at least ask the question, and then I would, I would explain what I meant by that, to ask God what your vocation is. Do, would you go so far as to say, you know, since God has created us, you know, we are the potter, he is the potter, we are the clay, that we do have, in a sense, a pretty ser- serious uh, obligation on ourselves to pr- to dig in and pursue that, what what our what God's will is for our lives. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I've never thought of it in quite those strong terms, but okay. I think you are right. I think we have that obligation, definitely. Okay. That's well put, Jerry, well put. Oh, well... I don't know. I just think it's uh, you know. Uh, uh, what about you know young people in today's is today's culture, Your Excellency? And this is another kind of thing we can we can discuss briefly here as well. Is you know, I mean, it's one thing they have to be encouraged and by their parents, and, and this has to be instilled first in the domestic church in the home. But are young people today um, as likely as they were maybe a generation or two ago to really pursue what God's will is for their lives and, and you know, make take the spiritual life and their vocation seriously? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody who is well-educated even a little bit and reads the news or watches the news or reads the newspaper knows that we're going through a pretty tough time now, not only in our our society, our culture, and also our church. But I also think we have to look at the big picture, and the Catholic Church has been around for 2,000 years now, and we've had some tough times in the past, even tougher times than now. But we all know that uh, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So, so we know how all this ends. Jesus has the final victory. So we always have to keep that in mind as we're you know, fighting the various battles that are, that are out there. But I think it is important to, to, to stay strong and to keep the faith and to share the faith with others. And, you know, a lot of our young people today seem to be losing interest in the faith, uh, according to statistics and news stories of people not wanting to go to Mass. However, we just had that World Youth Day in, uh, in Portugal, and there's over uh, over one million people at the final Mass, and many, many, many young people around the world who are really on fire for the faith. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- there's opportunities out there. Um, there's so much stuff on the Internet now, so many programs. So many uh, like access to good formation and youth groups, things like that. So, you know, the, the world is going to offer all kinds of things to make you happy, but it's also very false. It's illusionary. So, what true happiness is going to be when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and we we embrace our Catholic faith and we live the faith and we're willing to die for the faith. Like, look at Blessed Carlo Acutis. As a very, very young man, he was a teenager, he loved the internet, he loved uh, video games, he was a normal teenage boy, and yet he had a great love for the Eucharist, and he encouraged all his friends to, to go to Mass and to, to, to follow the faith. And you look at 
people like Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frazzati, who loved to climb mountains and go skiing. He was as normal as any guy out there, and yet he was such a strong Christian Catholic that when he died, I mean, his funeral was huge, and his family didn't even know he was so faithful. He was just <laughs> quietly living his faith, but yet many, many people knew about his faith. So I would just encourage people that... Um, you know, it's not easy to be a Christian in any era. Look at the martyrs. Look at the early church. People died for their faith. They had to make a choice, either renounce their faith or, or they would be put to death. Right. So, um, you know, Maximilian Kolbe, he, he gave up his life for another man. Uh, so we have we have so many examples of heroic witness from our, from our saints, of young and old, men and women all through the ages of people being courageous. And John Paul said it so beautifully, be not afraid. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we need courage, so I ask the Lord for courage. But in the end, what's going to make us the happiest is to follow the Lord and to, to practice our faith and share it with others. Mm-hmm. Amen. So. Well, and I want to just highlight a program, a great program here on EWTN that can help others uh, learn more about Catholicism, and that is Call to Communion with Dr. David Anders. And it's weekdays, folks, um, in the afternoons, 2 Eastern Time, and it encores in the evenings at 11 Eastern Time on um, EWTN Radio. So what's stopping you from becoming becoming a Catholic? Dr. Anders has the answers, and boy, does he have the answers. Um, Bishop Coffey, you may or may not, you probably have listened to Call to Communion, but Dr. David Anders, I'm telling you, there's his brain is like oversized. It's like the jumbo well, size. Uh, it's so unbelievable. And the Catholic Answers guys also. Yeah. Leads. I mean, yeah. those apologists, we have some truly gifted apologists who, who are on the radio and they write books and they, they're at these conferences all over the country. Uh, EW10 is having the big family celebration. Mother Angelica was it 42 years ago, started in the garage with 100 bucks. I mean, look at the courage she had. So, yeah, I mean, just listen to EW10 on the radio. I, I listen to it sometimes all day long if I'm driving for 10 hours, which I do sometimes. There are so many wonderful programs on the radio. So, it's so much better than listening to some horrible station with nothing but commercials. Mm hmm. Bishop Joseph Coffey with us. We have about five minutes left, Your Excellency, and we're so grateful for your time today. We've been talking about his work as Auxiliary Bishop in the Archdiocese for the Military Services, visiting the veterans' hospitals all across the country. Um, maybe just a, a quick word, Your Excellency, as we kind of wind down here, to you know, moms and dads who are listening right now. Uh, they, they, their kids may, have not, may not be of the age yet to make a specific vocational choice or even a career choice, but um, you know, maybe encourage them to consider the military, you know, because the faith is supported there by you and all of the military chaplains and all of that. So uh, parents need not be concerned that their, their child is not going to be given opportunities to have their faith sustained and grow, grown. So what would you say to moms and dads right now about that? Well, right. Uh, if they enlist in the military, um, even in boot camp, uh, there's availability for mass every Sunday. And when I was in boot camp, I served two different tours. One at the Coast Guard basic training in Cape May, New Jersey, and the Marine Corps basic training in San Diego, California for a total of six years. So I counseled literally thousands of young people while they were in boot camp and encouraged them to, you know, to be strong, to get through it. It's very difficult, but 
anything worthwhile doing is always going to be difficult. But um, mass attendance was usually about 100% of Catholics. So they sure like to go while they're in boot camp. And I would also remind them that, you know, after they graduate, if, if they're on a base, Catholic mass is available at the chapel to you know, make, make it available for that. And then when they're out in the field, mass is available because there's no priest chaplain to say mass. So that's a great, great hardship. But usually, uh, most of the cases, uh, larger ships, you're going to have mass on Sunday, sometimes even during the week. So it's a, it's a wonderful way to serve the country and to serve the Lord in uniform. And there's also the GI Bill, so people can serve for a couple of years to go to college. That's such a great investment on our part to help educate people and get them to go to, go to college. So, yeah, that's a great that thing to do is to encourage mom's dads to have their kids consider the military as an option. But the main thing is that they need to encourage their kids to continue following the faith. Because when they get baptized, their moms and dads need to know that they're the first and the best teachers of the faith. Not the priests and nuns, but the parents are the first right. and best teachers. And they'll follow your example. You make Mass a priority and you say, gang, we're going on Sunday or Saturday night and we, we you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's how I was raised. That, that was just expected every weekend. Get their kids to have it. Because in the end, that's all that counts. Mm-hmm. So just encourage the parents to practice the faith themselves. And if they've been away for a while, come home. Make a good confession and just come on home. You are always welcome to come home. Everybody needs to know that, and I think most people do know that. Well, Your Excellency, we're just about out of time here. Um, you were crack, uh, breaking up a little bit there. We, we heard your audio, but we'd love to get a, a blessing for us and the Take-Two family, if you would be so kind, before we end our time together here on the show. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bishop Joseph Coffey has been our guest on this special edition of Take Two with Jerry and Debbie here on EWTN Radio. Our thanks to His Excellency Debbie. What an amazing show. It was a tape show, but well worth listening to. We'd like to give you folks uh, original content on days when we are not on live. So thanks so much for joining us here on the program today. Until we meet again, have a beautiful and blessed day. St. Joseph, please pray for us.